and welcome to Travel Loving Moms podcast, episode six. This podcast is for moms by moms who share their travel tips, advice, and stories. If you love to travel or have the desire to travel with your family, then this podcast is for you. My guest today is a mom to two kids ages nine and three. She lives in London with her family, but they have taken a break from their busy life in London to do some traveling. She is currently in Vietnam, which is where we are talking to her from today. Her little girl has food allergies, which we will talk more about in a bit. You can find her on Instagram and Facebook at World Family Trip and her blog, worldfamilytrip.com. Now I'd like to welcome my guest, Katie. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me, Penny. Oh, I'm so glad you're here today. And um, so you just woke up and then I'm getting ready to go to bed. <laughs> I know. And yeah, thanks for finding the time because I think this is a big time difference, about 12 hours, I think. Absolutely. I had to look it up on my map the, uh, the other night to go, okay, what night? What? How far are we apart? <laughs> I know. I even got confused on the days because I think it's your Thursday and it's my Friday. So we're not even on the same day. <laughs> exactly. Which is very interesting. <laughs> Um, so you're in Vietnam. Could you tell us about that and what the culture is like a little bit, um, especially someone like me just stuck in the little south of the United States? I'd like to, I'm interested in knowing some about that area. Yeah, so um, Vietnam is the last country um, on our kind of world tour that we've done. We've done uh, eight different countries and Vietnam was the last one. And we've been here for like eight weeks now. So we've had plenty of time to kind of get a feel for 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 what it's like um yeah being in being in vietnam and living in vietnam we've traveled from the north where we arrived hanoi all the way down to the south where we are now which is um ho chi minh or saigon depending on how people um call it uh, and we traveled like on night trains and um taxis to to make our way down because it's actually pretty a long country if you look at it on a map penny it's kind of yeah it does span quite a few uh, quite a few miles um but vietnam is i mean it's got such a heavy history you know you guys from the states obviously recognize that but the people are just so friendly uh, really um family orientated the food is really um really yummy <laughs> as well uh and it's really more developed um in the cities than i expected it to be so like where we are staying now opposite we've got like a big um kind of shopping mall um, with like nearly everything you you would find in an American supermarket or a supermarket in London whereas you know when we were in the countryside um, that's when you realize that yeah there's much less um, you know consumerism and, and, and big shops going on and you have to kind of make your way by going to the market buying a bit of fruit and veg here um, and small kind of small shops so it's still a big contrast I'd say between there's big cities and and the countryside but yeah no we've had um yeah we've really enjoyed uh um, vietnam but it's very very hot <laughs> it's so hot <laughs> well the, uh, our temperatures here is a uh, we're almost pushing 100 i think um the highest has been so far is about 93 so hot there what what's the temperature yeah well i don't know in um because i do it in uh, in degrees you know coming oh. from um, <laughs> europe so we're about it's it's in like 33 35 um degrees celsius um and i think it's the humidity that just seems to be um getting to me and obviously you know we come from uh, london where temperatures rarely <laughs> go above um 
uh, 30 degrees and just used to kind of that kind of you know temperate climate where it's never too cold never too hot rains quite a lot so I think I think I have struggled a little bit with the heat um, you know if we in a place where there's no air conditioning for example and that's happened a few times in Vietnam then I just find it really difficult to to concentrate or to have much energy um, so yeah Vietnamese people actually get up really early in the morning like at 5 a.m there's already like lots of activity they're on the beach uh working out or you know builders will be on site already because it just gets so hot that they they need to take quite a, a large break in the afternoon to to just sleep i suppose or just <laughs> lie down because it's it just gets so hot that's pretty smart get it all over with before the heat really gets to kick in yeah no absolutely they seem um they've got yeah they seem to have a hell of a lot of energy for for you know, for people who live in a country where oh, I couldn't even operate without air conditioning. Now, what's the uh, the culture like as far as like um, compared to London? You know, London's I can just imagine that it's really busy and a lot going on and Vietnam, for some reason, I imagine a little bit slower. Yeah, well, actually, it's quite surprisingly busy. I mean, especially in um, some of the like big or medium sized cities, they 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 love going around on like little motorbikes, so scooters or motorbikes, whatever you want to call it. And they are loads of them. I mean, it's, you know, some of these cities are notorious for um, you know, being difficult to cross to cross the road, like you have to cross the road with purpose because there's just so many cars and uh, mainly motorbikes, and they don't have the same sense of the rule, the uh, road rules. So, you know, don't take a, a red light for a red light as you would in the states or in Europe. You have to kind of uh, be mindful that there's a couple of people that might slip through. So when you're crossing, you just have to be, um, you know, really careful. So I'd say the traffic is quite different a bit more chaotic but an organized chaos if you see what I mean I mean it's not like there's accidents happening and happening all the time but they do use their horn a lot but they seem to kind of swerve um, everything that comes at them Um, and so it's yeah that's very different it's not as organized the traffic Um, and then I think uh, I mean in the cities it's really uh, you know buzzing I think they've got people are getting access more and more to cars and um, you know consumer goods as we would in the in the states and europe i think in the countryside that's where you get that real image of vietnam that you see sometimes in the movies with like you know the ladies with the hats on um the the pointy straw hats in the rice fields with the water buffalo Uh, and we stayed in a couple of places like that where you know it it felt much calmer um and the, the pace of life was was much slower which was you know it's a welcome break as well when you have children to sometimes go to places where it's not as busy um but it's totally it's totally different but at the same time you feel that they're moving in that direction of you know they've got lots of nearly everyone's got a phone in vietnam so you'll see like a farmer in the rice field um you know doing his crops but then in his break he'll be sitting in his little hammock with his with his iphone (laughs) checking out the news or so there's there's that contrast that um I think my son particularly was like oh mom like wherever we go everyone's on their phones so (laughs) that's the same everywhere Um, you'd mentioned the food was really good, but I know, um, and I'd mentioned in the beginning that your daughter has food allergies. Now, how is she, 
I've, I mean, I've already seen this on your Instagram um, where you're talking about her food allergies and on your blog. So tell us about how it is dealing with that, with the different foods and in the different locations that you go to. Sure. I mean, it, it is really tough. I mean, my, my daughter um, has an allergy to egg, which is oh, such a pain, um, avocado and uh, peanut. I mean, not to peanut, not to the extreme where um, she'll go into some kind of shock straight away. But um, she has got a peanut allergy. And I mean, it's it depends on the country. So before we left for our um, world trip, we had like updated allergy tests done from the UK just to check, monitor and check um, to what extent she was allergic to these different foods. We already knew she was allergic to them. Um, we got some expert advice. They provided us with um, like EpiPen shots in case there was an emergency. We did loads of research as well on the different countries and translation um, cards for the different allergens. Um, and then people along the way as well helped us out. So we met... Um, I met a Japanese lady uh, living in Hawaii who I, I just got chatting to and she said, oh, do you want me to write down in Japanese for you? Yeah, my daughter's allergic to egg and, and, and same in, in um, Japan. We actually met a really nice Chinese couple whose daughter was also allergic to egg. So she wrote it all down in Chinese for me because obviously um, the, the language in Japan and China is not just about not understanding, but you, know, you don't even recognize any of the letters. So, it, I mean, it's been really challenging. And I think um, even uh, in some of the countries like, you know, we started out in the US and it wasn't always easy to find, especially the egg free, because a lot of our kind of safe foods that we go for, even like pasta or uh, pizza you know they tend to put egg in the pizza dough or you, you find out that there's a little bit of egg in the in the pasta sauce so you have to be really really vigilant um, and towards the end we've just ended up making her own lunchbox and not even trying to find um, <laughs> egg free or peanut free options I mean in Asia they use peanut a lot in a lot of the cooking so we just have to be um, extra careful but it you know, we don't let it define us we don't you know wake up every morning thinking oh no you know how are we going to eat with grace like we've we've taken advantage of some delivery apps so a bit like uber eats but there's an equivalent here in asia so we're still able to sample the local food but we just get it delivered um to us instead of going out as much as we would maybe if she didn't have a um didn't have an egg allergy um so it's just that allergy awareness isn't as uh uh, prominent in certain countries than in um, like Europe and, and uh, in the West, basically, because I think, uh, yeah, they're just not used to having people who are allergic to egg. I mean, it, it's starting, but there isn't as much an, um, as an awareness. So and we've had a few scares. I mean, you might have seen um, on our on our blog, we had a, uh, an issue in Cuba <laughs> of all countries to, and we had to take it to hospital. So that was a bit scary. Oh, yeah, because you're in a different country, too, and having to go to the hospital. I just can't imagine that. Yeah, no, it, and it was very scary. I actually um, gave her like a cereal bar that I'd bought in the previous country that we'd visited, Costa Rica, and it had 50% peanut in it. But the word for peanut um, was actually kind of a uh, a variant on the on the Spanish European Spanish word, which is cacahuete, and they actually have a different word um, in um, South America Spanish, which is mani, and I just didn't know. And so I looked at the ingredients, and I was rushing, and Grace was hungry, and she was asking me. I was like, okay, here's a cereal bar. Checked it, um, didn't see the word cacahuete, which for me was the Spanish word for peanut. 
um, and gave it to her and then realized after a couple of bites that she started coughing and I was like oh no and then desperately trying to figure out what money meant and in Cuba there's a lot of restrictions on internet access so you can't just google things um, at a drop of a hat like you can most in most places in the world so that was really scary we had to give her like an EpiPen injection and call our host um for him to take us to the hospital and I mean everything worked out fine in the end and you know we were very well looked after um but that was that was really scary (laughs) and when you're in a foreign country as you say you just think oh you panic now do y'all have um an insurance that y'all carry with you too that you'd be able to use with the different countries yeah, absolutely. So we did a quite a bit of research before we left on an insurance company that would cover a trip like this and inc- including all the different countries that we wanted to go to. So um, because we knew um, where we were going, we kind of decided on the countries beforehand. Um, it made it a little bit easier because um, you know, depending on the country you go, they assess the risk, the medical situation. So, yeah, we had a, a, a pretty good insurance. We haven't actually had to use it in Cuba. It was in the end, it ended up costing um, so little uh, for like uh, the care that we had that it wasn't really worth making a claim um, for that at the time. So, um, but it was always good to know because some, if something would have happened to us elsewhere, like in the states, where you know it can be it can be quite expensive. Um, mm-hmm. So definitely, yeah, we we travelled with the insurance. And I just noticed recently that you y'all were featured in the uh, allergic living magazine am I saying yes. that right yeah allergic living magazine which is actually um uh an American I think it's an American magazine actually but we yeah I just thought I'd uh, pitch an idea um, about traveling with children and food allergies and kind of share our story especially around Cuba I think a lot of parents with um, kids with allergies are quite afraid um of traveling and, and do hold back and I, it was just kind of to say, you know, it, with preparation and vigilance, it, it is possible. I mean, I suppose if your child has a very severe, severe allergy, as in if someone opens a packet of peanuts, you know, two rows down in a train, it's going to affect you. Then, OK, that I can understand that that might be scary. But if you have, you know, um, mild uh, to severe, then I think it's, you know, it's, it's absolutely doable with um, with the right advice and just making sure whenever whenever you get somewhere, you locate where the hospital is just in case you need it or you have that number to call um, so you can get somewhere in an emergency, basically. But it's it was really to share our story about how it is possible and people shouldn't be holding back traveling, whether it's their country or or the world because of a food allergy holding them back. I think that would be a shame. Now, um, you've mentioned several times about preparing for your travels and everything. And since y'all have kind of done one country after another, um, now how can you tell us how you prepared for all of that and what you used um, to plan everything out? Sure. So, um, we have to center a lot of it around the the kids, I'd say. So there's some obvious things that we'd want to visit in a country. For the first couple of countries, we actually had the um, like a, a travel guide, um, but then we couldn't buy a travel guide for all the destinations in advance because we'd probably need like an extra suitcase and pay extra baggage allowance. And it's not the same having it on a like an e version. We have done that as well. Like for example, with Japan, we downloaded it on our Kindle, but it's just not the same. I don't think to have a guidebook in electronic format because you can't 
you know turn the pages or you can't um circle things and it's just not not as easy so we always um when we could had the guidebook and that always gives you a good um, starting point you don't always have to buy them uh brand new i think you know in the uk at least there's quite a few um kind of secondhand hand-me-down like uh, bookshops that you can go to and you, sometimes you can find quite recent editions of the travel guides which keeps the costs down um also did a lot of research online especially whenever i get somewhere just before we get that i always try and do like kids friendly uh, activities and then you know plus the country we're going to or plus the town we're going to um, and not just stay on the first page of google as well because sometimes people have got really interesting content you know they've lived in that country with children with with kids they really know the area but they might not as be um, ranking as high um, on google so they might be on page two or page three so i'd always say make sure you at least flip through the first couple of pages of um the search engine that you're using because sometimes you actually find some really interesting information on page two uh, or on page three. Um, I think Instagram has also been a great source of um, inspiration for some of the places that we visited. As you start building a following, um, you see uh, families like yourself traveling the world who are, um, you know, exploring certain towns and trying out activities and then you can save them as you see them come up on your feed you can think oh yeah we're going to go there let's save that for a later date and that's been really um, useful as well and in more remote areas so in Costa Rica we were quite uh, we were kind of in the middle near rainforest and it wasn't as there wasn't as much information out there about kids friendly things so for those instances when I can kind of understand the language. I mean, I don't speak Spanish fluently, but um, good enough. I, I'd Google it in the in the language. So how I'd, I'd Google play area, but in Spanish, and then see what results I got there, and then just use uh, translation apps to figure out where things are. Um, and also Facebook is actually big in a lot of um, these countries, more than a website. So searching in facebook as well as was as a good source and that's a tip that someone along the road um actually gave to us someone who lived in uh, costa rica said you won't find anything um unless you you you, you know actually search on facebook so but we don't we're not like overly we don't over over plan i kind of wait for maybe a week before we arrive somewhere and then just do like a bit of a um in-depth research into the area because when you have kids plans change um you know they some days going to be too tired and you know you can't you can't be too prescriptive in terms of what you're going to do but to have like a handful of options that you know you can um fall back on outside like the main tourist attractions i think that's always a um it's always a good idea but yeah online other other blogs other families that have um uh, lived in the area yeah, there's lots, of, you know, online now, there's so much information, apart from for a country like Cuba, where internet is so restricted. That's when we really relied on the guidebook and just talking to people there, because you can't just pick out your phone and take out your phone and, and do some searches on the on the go, because you have to have a special card or you have to be in a special place to be able to access internet. So that that was a bit more challenging. Now, do y'all stay in Airbnbs when you go or, or do you stay in hostels or what, where do y'all stay at? Most of the time we've stayed in Airbnbs. We've used Airbnb a lot and we've also used um, hotels or apart hotels, as they call them, through um, another site 
called um, uh, booking.com. So those are the two that we've made mainly used. Uh, I think Airbnb is great because you can um, you can be more specific. You can ask for a certain amount of bedrooms, for example. You know, at the beginning we had Aiden and um, uh, Grace, my two children, actually sleeping in the same bed. Um, and then after a few weeks, we realized that that wasn't going to work. She kicked him out every morning and there was a big fuss and like World War Three was already breaking out and it wasn't even 9 a.m. So we decided <laughs> to always try and go for three um, three beds and you can make those kind of selections um, on Airbnb you can say okay two bedrooms but three beds um, and then keep the peace so um, I think it's been useful for that I think the quality of Airbnbs really varies as well across the region I think in Asia they're still at the beginning of their Airbnb journey so sometimes they're, they're, there's a tendency to click on um, as a host to click on yes we have a fully equipped kitchen and this and that and actually when you get there there's a bit of a disappointment because the kitchen actually isn't fully equipped and there's like, you know, three pairs of chopsticks and one spoon um, and that's it. <laughs> and uh, so it's not always, um, yeah, you have to really kind of do your research. And we've had some amazing experiences and we've had some where we've arrived and we thought, oh, oh this isn't what we thought it was going to be. Um, but you just kind of have, sometimes have to have to go with the flow and just make the most of it but it's been I think for traveling families Airbnb is great because you, as a family you need sometimes a little bit more space you need that extra bed you need a kitchen to be a bit more flexible so you don't have to eat out all the time everyone knows that eating out with toddlers is not the most relaxing um, mm -hmm. experience so um, yeah a mixture of both but mo mainly uh, Airbnbs. What was your favorite place that y'all have been to so far? Um, so I think we've been talking about this quite a lot within our family because we know we're going to get this question answer, asked a lot when we get home. And it's really hard. Um, we've been to eight different countries and they're so, so different that it's been it's hard to choose. But in terms of like experiences, um, I'd say there's a couple of things that we did that really kind of stuck with me. We we did an awesome um, uh, train ride in Mexico on El Chepe. Some of your listeners might know that Mexico's got like one passenger train that kind of goes from uh, south uh, to north. And we it's like a 16-hour train journey stopping halfway through in this amazing um, little town with great landscape and that's where I was talking to you about the caves earlier discovering those kind of indigenous population so that was really um, special and I think like I did a couple of whale watching tours one in Mexico again St Ignacio and once once in Canada and that was really amazing as well I think both times but then in terms of countries I think my top three would be I think Costa Rica uh, Cuba and Japan not in any specific order and Cuba just because it's so different penny from anything I've experienced before Cuba has you know obviously been um, cut off in a way from the rest of the world for such a long time that they really don't have much but they are so so friendly and when we had that problem with Grace in the hospital they were just so um, so caring the host stayed with us for like hours in the hospital you know he could have gone home we could have got a taxi but he he really went out of his way to make us feel welcome and um, it was tough Cuba because you can't as I said there's no internet readily available and there's hardly anything in the shops I mean they they you really have to go to specific places to get um, what you need you know we kind of lived off pasta and tomato sauce for quite a long time when we were there but it's so different from anything we've experienced 
I think Americans can actually go to Cuba now via another country. And it, we definitely met quite a few Americans there as well. well. When I think of Cuba, I don't really think of it on my list to go to. Yeah, I just... no, I think, yeah, it doesn't. Um, I think it's very, they've got amazing beaches, Penny, though. <laughs> they really have. <laughs> I, don't, I think it's more of how maybe TV portrays it, the news, not that I watch the news, but um, when you do hear about it, it, I think it's just the way that it's portrayed is why. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's why traveling is, you know, it's amazing because you're very, you, you're surprised about the perception you have of a country and then actually what it's like when you get there. I think it's very different. Like of all the countries, I think we've been surprised every time, um, you know, how you see it in the news or how you see it in documentaries, um, you read about it. And then actually when you get there, you think, oh, this isn't what this isn't what I um, expected it to be. You know, we, we spent a month in China and it was it was the same. You know, it was like, oh, this isn't the China that I thought I knew before coming here. So I think travel is great for that. It really gives you firsthand um, an experience of a country without the filters of your, you know, the, the country that you're living in. So, so Vietnam is your last stop, you said, and then y'all yeah. are headed back home. Yeah, so we're going to, actually, we're going to go to France. We, we leave on Monday. can't believe it. It's been like 10 months and we're heading back to Europe on Monday. Um, we're going to stay in France for um, a week. David, my partner, is um, French and his family's there, so we're going to say hello to them and then we're going to head back to London. Um, mid-June so yes it's it's exciting we're we're, we're excited to go back as well will y'all be planning another big trip like this or y'all gonna take some time and get back to normal life for a little while and then see what happens yeah I think that's that's uh that's exactly what we'll do I think we need to uh everyone needs to come back have you know get back to routine get the kids back into um school or preschool for a little bit before the summer um and yeah it's it's a big it's a big um we've done a big trip and i think we will stay local <laughs> we'll be staying local for a while um but yeah we've got other countries on them on our list that you know we didn't get around to to visiting this time but i think we all need to just um come back to a routine the routine the same routine that we wanted to leave behind uh, mm-hmm. which is always ironic when we decided on this trip why why we decided to go and leave it all behind at the same time once you've been traveling for for that long I think coming back to a routine is also you come back with fresh eyes I think with a fresh pair of eyes on on your life and your situation and I think yeah we're all looking forward to seeing friends again and family and our house sleeping in our own bed I mean I think we've slept in like 60 I think it's been 69 different beds over the last 10 months that's a lot of moving that's wild yeah no it does get to you after a while you have to you know especially at my little one I think she's um you know toddlers do like routine um 69 different beds in like 10 months is, is far from that is far from routine so I think she'll be looking forward to getting back to her bedroom staying in one place for a while <laughs> Now, so you said they go to school, so you don't homeschool them, they they were in public school? Yes, they're both in, so Grace will be starting school in September and um, Aidan is already yeah, in school. So we homeschooled him during this year uh, away um, and so he'll be slotting back in 
when we when we get home um homeschooling isn't as big in in the uk as it is in um, america i've read when i was been searching for like homeschool support i found a lot of resources actually on um us sites more mm-hmm. so than on america than on the uk sites so uh yeah i just wanted to say you know big shout out to those moms who do homeschool because uh, it's really challenging <laughs> it's hard work being the teacher but it is huge over here um, and it's getting bigger and I think it's just because of the way the public schools are yeah that is, um, yeah it's a lot more challenging in school nowadays than it used to be but that's just my opinion Mm, yeah no sure it seems to be there's a big movement in the states and I think we we spoke to people along the way Americans who who said that they'd been homeschooled or that they were homeschooling our children and they said exactly the same thing that that the the quality of um some of the schools in their area that just wasn't good enough for them so they decided to pull them out um yeah I'm, I'm I think we're lucky to have some good schools around where we live and also I think it's I just we found homeschooling quite um, challenging. Actually, mm-hmm. I think um, kids yeah, listen to teachers at school better than they listen to their parents. To be honest, I mean that's how we felt, and it was a real struggle on a daily basis to get him to to sit down and do it. Um, and he's a bright boy, but I, I'll be looking forward to sending him back to school, Penny. To be honest. So you have a travel blog and uh, you've been doing very well. I really enjoy your blog. Can you tell us or give us a little bit of advice about getting into travel blogging? Yeah, I think um, I had a, a, you know, high expectations of myself before leaving. I set it up. I I wrote a few posts. um, But the reality is when you are actually traveling with children, well, in my case anyway, I felt that, you know, it was just all, all consuming, like, sorting the kids out making sure they're okay planning the next bit and you know to be honest I was often too exhausted um, to start writing Um, I am looking to I think I managed a couple of posts while we were gone but I had this like big ambition of you know writing one blog post a week and the reality of traveling with children is actually very different so I just didn't get around to it but I've got a lot of material that I'll be writing up as soon as I get home and I get a little bit of time uh, for myself but it's a, it's a quite a crowded space, um, uh, travel blogging. There's a lot of people doing it. Um, I'd say if you want to um, stand out, make it useful. So I've tried to do things like um, if you're visiting San Francisco, these are the ten top 10 things that you can do with children, keeping it quite short and snappy and also being um, honest and not being afraid to show your uh, vulnerable side. I think there's so much... And I'm sure you've seen it, uh, Penny, looking through other people's Instagram accounts that all these round the world trips feel so amazing, full of smiley kids and perfect travel days. And the reality for us was very different. And I think um, I've put a lot of more effort into my Instagram because it's just easier and quicker to do than a, a full article on a blog. And I've tried to be more honest about the, our, our trip in terms of the ups and downs, because I think it can make people feel quite inadequate if the only thing you're posting is um smiley faces and that everything's perfect because it's not <laughs> it's really not it's it's pretty tough so I I like to keep it real on um on my blog and and on my Instagram as well I mean we're having an amazing you know we've had an amazing time but don't get me wrong it, it's been it's pushed me um, and I think it's pushed us all uh, out of our comfort zone for sure before we go 
what is another piece of advice that you could give to a mom who's wanting to travel with their little ones? So yeah, I I think um, I've got a I've got a few I've le- I've learned a lot along this journey. Um, I think number one actually ties in with um, one of your your previous podcasts. Um, I remember listening the the military family. She was saying um, something that really resonated with me about knowing your limits. And I think when you start off on a trip like that, you have a a rough idea about how it's going to go. And you think, oh, we're going to be traveling, um, seeing as many places as we can, doing as many day trips as we can. But actually, um, I think it's really important to know your limits and not be disappointed once you really figure out what they are. We our trip was supposed to. um, Go on until the end of August. I mean, we were going to do the whole 12 months. We had Kenya. Um, to come after Vietnam and then we were going to go to Greece for like a a mini um, European break just before coming back to London and we figured out within three or four months of this trip that going you know going to Kenya and going to Greece was not going to be a good idea um, because we wanted to go on a safari in in Kenya and Greece is way too um, little I think to to do that kind of thing and it's quite expensive so we, we made that decision to to cut our trip a little bit shorter than we initially planned also to travel slower than we probably thought we would you know you've got to know what your kids can handle and you know upping shop every three days is it's just too much we tried that um because you kind of think oh you know kids will just go along with the ride but actually after a while of you know moving every three or four days it does get tiring for them and then they play up and it's important to listen um, and say okay let's let's stay put now let's stay in the same place for 10 days or um, sometimes two weeks even we've done so I think knowing your limits um, when you're traveling with children is really important and nothing to be um, ashamed of like you know of course we would have probably done uh, more things or seen more things if we would only traveled without the children but we you know that's not the trip that we chose we chose to travel with children and as a result you have to you know keep them in mind all the time um, and then I think the other thing I'd say is uh, kind of keep the the perspective, the big picture. I think it can be quite isolating when you're traveling, to, you know, a small family, you're with each other all the time. Um, and however much I love my family, obviously, but you, you, there's not much time um, to reflect or to bounce ideas off a girlfriend like you would in your normal life if something's a bit stressful at home you know, you talk to a colleague about it at work or pick up the phone, speak to one of your girlfriends. It's not always easy. So things can feel um, big and uh, and more important or annoying than they actually are. And I think it's really important to have some friends that you can count on, regardless of the time zone that you can pick up the phone, because I think they always made me feel better. Like, actually, Katie, that you're feeling this because you've been together for, you know, 24 hours a day for the last six months. Of course, you're going to (laughs) be you're going to be losing your mind sometimes. So um, I think it can be quite an isolating experience. Sometimes you have to make that effort to reach back out to your friends and and don't feel that they're going to judge you because it has to be this perfect trip that you've planned. And uh, um, so, you know, keeping that perspective, I think, is really important. And don't feel you have to keep up with the Joneses all the time. And that's my point around the social media. Don't compare yourself to the other families. You know, they've got a different story. They have different types of children. Um, and they're also, you know, when when I've been at my most honest and, and vulnerable on Instagram, I've had a lot of messages come back and saying, oh, you know, thanks so much for posting that. I feel exactly the same. Like my kids are driving me insane or, you know, um, 
I'm so looking forward to some me time or, you know, why, why is it um, I'm finding this so difficult? And, you know, and, and those people actually, when you look at their Instagram feed, you wouldn't think that anything's going wrong, you know? So I think it's really important to use um, social media for, for good, to get inspiration, to connect, to not feel lonely and not um, about just scrolling through people's amazing holiday photos, uh, comparing yourself to other families, because I've done that and it doesn't, it doesn't feel good. Gosh, Katie, I absolutely appreciate all that advice. And I think that our listeners will too. Um, it's very raw and very personal advice too. And that makes it even better. Oh, yeah. Thank you very much, Penny. You're welcome. I just want to thank you, Katie, again, for being on the podcast today. Um, and I want to invite the listeners to visit her at World Family Trip on Instagram and Facebook and her blog at worldfamilytrip.com. You can also follow us at Travel Loving Moms on Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest. If you are interested in being a guest on the podcast, go to travellovingmoms.com slash be a guest. Until next time, may your family be blessed and your travels be awesome. Yeah.